This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I am here with Andy Plax, a partner at Network Ninja. And Andy, I was checking you out on LinkedIn. It's been 20 years you've been with Network Ninja. I know, Chris. It's, it's been quite a while. Yeah, 20 well, years and four months. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for having me. No, great. Thanks for joining us. What's that like, man? What's it like to do the same thing for that long? <laughs> you know, that's what my wife tells me, Chris. I, uh, it's a good question. I think it doesn't seem like 20 years, which is probably a good thing. Probably why well, I've been doing it for 20 years. That's a blessing, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally, totally. So Network Ninja has a tool called Main Event. And I think we've bumped into each other about 100 times over the last yeah. 10 years. It's definitely a, a powerhouse of a system. But you're in this business of collecting, storing, analyzing, and presenting data. So when you think about the experiential industry, how do you respond to folks when they say you can't measure experiential? Yeah, you know, I think what we've seen over the years is, is there's so many different ways in how folks do measure experiential. You know, so it, in terms of what's important for the kind of the organization, but from having events, you know, we don't just look at what the outcomes are, but uh-huh. yeah. where are you located? Who are the people that you work with? Would you want to be at that location again? If not, where would you be? What times work best? So I think what we've seen is as far as if somebody or a group just showing up, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, what they can now see is what the impact of being at these events are, talking to people, and, and not just of the initial outcome of, of what happened, but they can yeah. relate it to both, you know, the customer they're supporting, but also internally yeah. and apply it in a number of different ways. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, when people say they can't measure experiential, it's, it's because you're not thinking about it in the context of cause and effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's that, it's that fundamental aspect in any kind of data work where you've got independent variables and you've got dependent variables. You've got things that define what's being done. And then you've got some kind of outcome metric that's the result you're trying to create. And it's a matter of operationalizing those two things and looking at how they compare and under what scenarios do I have these optimal outcomes. And that's what I love about getting your act together with data and and what your tools do is it kind of helps you get all those independent variables, all those time of day, location, number of staff, market, everything that could be happening. And then what are those outcomes? What are the results? And and it gives you the the ability to compare those. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's neat to see from our perspective is that if, as I'm sure you have as well, is is that over time, as you store that historical information, then you can start to to leverage that more. So specifically, you can see how did this execution measure related to other, you know, the same criteria, but just how did, versus last month, last year, five years ago, which then allows them to make better decisions, which is awesome. So tell us your story. So how'd you get started and what brought you to uh, what you do today? Yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't try to bore you too badly. But uh, <laughs> back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, I uh, met a, he's now my partner today, but we um, 
started a company called Network Ninja. And then the intent was that it's basically be a software company in, in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah. our first two clients ended up being the city of Chicago. And then long story short, our the folks that were right next to us on our office floor, they had something that was in a, what was called an event marketing company at the time, which okay. we knew about, yeah. you know, experiential, that word didn't exist. And so they had a software vendor that, you know, wasn't supporting them. And it ended up being for one of the largest tobacco field marketing programs in the country that they needed help with. So okay. long story short is that we built an application for that agency. And then over time, people went to, they dispersed and went to other brands and agencies throughout the country. And then we thought that was just kind of like a one and done project, you know, like, yeah. okay, that's great. It's over. Learn something and move on. Ended up that um, we realized that there's a lot of other event marketing companies out there. And, you know, as I'm sure you have that a lot of our business is based on referrals and uh, yeah. grew from there. Fantastic. If I can ask, like, what did you study? What was your background? Was it computer science? Was it, Business. I was a poli sci major, Chris. So how did you get into to yeah. programming? Yeah, so um, ended up just having an interest in it, and then you know my business partner who I was talking about before, um, he was kind of a technologist, so kind of a jack of all trades. Sure. And so he needed somebody to help with sales, so we kind of divided and conquered at the time. Yeah. So what would you say were the major milestones for the business over the last twenty years? What were the big like ahas or the big like Axe blow moments that you guys into what you are today. I don't know. I mean, I think the we've been fortunate, probably like most companies, is that you know our, our people are definitely our strength, our employees. Yeah. And I think like a lot of the our employees have been here some since you know day one, in addition to ourselves. But you know, I think uh, we have a separate products that are dedicated for social and legal service agencies. So we're yeah. able to get the like the state of Georgia every child that's been physically or sexually abused that uh, we have a case management software to, to manage and track and allow okay, yeah. other, uh, other agencies from judges, court systems, caseworkers, doctors to all allow a single system to best serve a child and expedite a case. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. And, and so we're fortunate to, the Department of Justice have a project for the state of Georgia and then yeah. that worked and went to other states and we did a similar thing for legal agencies. So and we were in the state of Florida and now Washington and several other states. So, so to answer your question, as far as big moments, that was a couple of them just to know like that, you know, we actually can do this and we can support it. And, and as far as the agencies go, as far as main event, we've been fortunate to work with a little bit over a hundred agencies now and in, in brands. Brilliant. You know, I think you always have that fear in your stomach, like what'll happen tomorrow and all that good stuff. But it's just, a, you know, different. It's nice to know that we have a team of people versus just yourself, you know, like, are we going to do it or are we going to make it? Yeah, sure. And when you think about the last uh, two decades, any regrets, any anything that you would do differently if you were doing it over again? Uh, not one. I did everything perfectly, Chris. <laughs> coming out somewhere i think no yeah i mean obviously there'd be a, a lot of things we do differently but i think not to get too cliche or cheesy but but i think a lot of what we've realized is that our mistakes are usually when we learn the most yeah and things that i don't know if we would do differently just because it was a good learning lesson um you know like i'm trying to give you something tangible so i think we thought that it would be great to that everybody has to work in an office all the time and report and so on. Yeah. 
for years. And then realizing, so about four years ago, we ended up shutting our offices down. And now we have a little over 50 employees, but they all now work remotely. And so what I didn't realize, and I was the last one to be like, no, we've got to be at the office and all that good stuff. Um, But we realized how both the direct and indirect benefits of working remotely are, you know, from being able to recruit and retain, you know, developers that we probably would never have a chance of getting Yeah. now because of that, like, and how, how much more contributions people make because they have the autonomy and freedom to work when they want and where they want, but and how that kind of transcends on other things. Yeah. Now we, we have that in common where we both uh, are part of dispersed teams. And I, that can be a whole separate podcast in and of itself, because when we went down that road on, on the Portma side, I looked at everything I could possibly find that would give me some kind of roadmap of how do you do that? How do you, because the only model I ever had was sitting in a food farm in agencies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What did you find? It's such a, and, and I, I don't know whether things got easier all of a sudden when you had tools like Slack and Sneak and how, and just yeah. the way that kind of unfolded in the last three or four years, but it's, it was hard work. It's hard to make that transition, but you know, once you do it, I agree hundred percent, man, it's amazing. It's the quality of life, the quality of work, the team just explodes. Yep. hundred percent. So what have you seen with the experiential marketing industry when we think about how people are using data and how they're relating to, to the challenge of data? What's your perspective on how that's changed over the last, let's say, last 10 years? Yeah, you know, I think it's gotten um, a lot more comprehensive in terms of, and significant, in my opinion, in terms yeah. of, of the importance of collecting information and applying that yeah. information so that... Uh, people understand what all's taking place. So I, I think, so 10 years ago, people would conduct an event, they'd go to Lollapalooza or pick the location, and then they would say, well, what, you know, Monday happens, what happened? Oh, it went really well. Here's these, you know, 15 photos, and we really had a good time, and we talked to a lot of people and learned a lot. You know, yeah. now it's so much more involved in terms of the logistics, in terms of the setup, what's needed, and then also the types of information that's being collected, you know, from data collection to using beacons to like, there's, you know, multiple sources of information that's being collected yeah. um, from multiple vendors. Yeah. And then in addition, the outcomes measured are so much more significant in terms of people can really associate goals and say, did we attain what we, we paid for? Yeah. So I think what I love is, is that now it's, just, it's such a, um, that people are really looking towards it as something that's much more tangible than it was, say, 10 years ago, which is, I think, really interesting for folks like yourself and me. Totally. When you say that they got what they paid for, or how are you thinking about that? Or how are you doing that? Are you looking at KPIs or are you, how are those things being established? Or I guess, like, what is that criteria for success? How are we defining that? Yeah, exactly. And I think what, what I find interesting is that that definition varies from everybody that you ask, yeah. you know, it's not a silver bullet answer in terms of, okay, well, our definition is engagements and these impressions and X number of sales per event, because yeah. it's going to change um, based on so many different criteria. I yeah. think if I put a common denominator, I'd say that generally speaking, brands 
demand of agencies, you know, probably between three to 10 criteria of what their definition of success is. Yeah. And based on that, then that's what we would then measure against. So usually that would consist of some type of integer field, you know, like some, yeah. something that they can track and measure versus, you know, a qualitative information, you know, um, yeah. but I would say the specific metric will vary, but because that they can track it and there's a number of ways in which they can, then that's something that they can truly measure against. And then in addition to that, that's something that they can then compare against both at that event, but then within the market, how do we do in Chicago? How yeah. do we do in the Midwest? How does yeah. that relate to other programs, which is really becomes really fascinating? Yeah. What, what about yourself? What, what have you seen? Well, I think what you're, you're touching on this idea, too, of efficiency and, and how do we think about efficiency in experiential events work? And it, it, like exactly what you're saying, it boils down to ratios. It's, you know, when I'm, if I was to break it down to what are my engagements per hour, let me divide that by the budget to look at my cost per engagement. And let me look at that among all the things I have control over market, venue selection, type of a number of staff on site, time of day. What am I doing at the activation? And when you have all those, when you have your, your cost per engagement or your engagements per hour, segmented by all those things, that strategic roadmap just kind of reveals itself. And this this elusive idea of what is consumer insights starts to no longer be elusive. It's just very black and white on the page of, hey, when I'm doing this stuff before 10 a.m. in this market, I've got three times the productivity than when I'm doing those things over there with those people. That's power, man. That's where marketing gets better and marketers look good. Yep, exactly. Totally, totally. There are other stages to that too. I think you go from efficiency to the quality of those engagements. You go from the quality to the impact of those engagements. And then you ultimately get to kind of that brand value. And that brand value either becomes changing perspective or changing behavior. Those are different different types of things. But it all starts with just getting your act together and getting your metrics in place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, what do you think is driving the change? Do you think it's driven from the top down? Is it the agencies trying to get more strategic? Are the, are the buyers requiring better accountability? Where, where do you see it coming from? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, if there was to be one thing, uh, and um, there's uh, multiple items, but I would say that the buyer is demanding more of the agency. Yeah. I think it's no longer a question of does experiential marketing work? Like, is it, is it, is it something that's effective? I think because it is effective, then people are now asking for more measurables yeah. because they track it. So because of that, then what we've seen is, is that the brand not only demands reports and analysis, but they require it in a way that they need it so that they yeah. can support both themselves and learn, but also then share that with their peers and colleagues and so on to say, this is what happened and this is how we can apply that knowledge for all departments in all groups and, and learn and, and leverage. So, yeah, so I'd, I'd say that's, that's what we've seen the most. And then, you know, from the agency perspective, that gives them a competitive advantage. If they have tools that can show their prospects of, hey, this is how we do it. And it's not what we provide them is in a way of, of how the agency wants it. It's how the brand needs it, which to me is a big difference. You know, it's like versus we're not giving you an Excel spreadsheet to say, here's what happened. We're giving you some in-depth analysis of exactly what's it is so that it makes them a lot easier to digest yeah. versus, uh, you know, something that they hand off and then they give to the analytics team. And then it just takes time to, 
decipher. So yeah, totally. You know, one thing that I saw, and I guess it probably started in, um, I don't know, maybe 2004, 2005, is uh, the measurement capabilities coming out of digital really started to get its first inklings of maturity. And I think that blew the rules out of the out of the park. I mean, every brand is dealing with this this mixed marketing models where they've got all these different channels that they're distributing their their dollars among. Yep. And there was the traditional channels of radio, print, television, direct mail, freestanding inserts, floor graphics in the stores, all those kind of things. And all those channels had measurement tools associated with them. Yep. And then digital came in as this hugely viable, amazingly exciting new option that was measurable like nothing ever had been. And what used to take months to do a split test in a catalog and cost you tens of thousands of dollars, you could now do in 15 minutes for 20 bucks on Google AdWords. And so <laughs> it's like the things change so radically. Yeah. And, and I think experiential started to become accountable because of that. And I think around 2008, 2009, the brand started really started holding the, the agency's feet to the fire and say, you know, I got to make a decision on why I'm going to give you the $400,000 and not give that to the PR team that's using digital. Help me defend that. And that's where our world came into play. Yeah, that's a great point. We'll pause the interview there for this week's episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. I always love talking to Andy. He's such a wealth of information about the industry and, and just the two decades in data management for experiential brings a lot to the table. If you're not a subscriber, I hope you'll subscribe. We're going to follow up with the second half of this interview next week. So please stay tuned and give that a listen. We're going to talk about AI and the role that machine learning has in experiential. And we're also going to really dive into the idea of what's the structure of data. What's the hierarchy of data look like for any experiential marketing database and how Network Ninja deals with that, how Portmod deals with that and what our experience has been working across multiple agencies. I think you're really going to enjoy that second half of the interview. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss what we have planned. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.